0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those to Genesis chapter 13. That's where we're going uh, this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 13. Uh, and if, if you don't know where Genesis is, that's the first book of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to start a little series this week about returns. Now this is the time of year that a lot of folks start thinking about things getting back to normal. Anybody <laughs> know what I'm talking about things getting back to normal uh, you're coming off of the summer uh, if you have kids they're getting ready to go back to school and all the parents said glory <laughs> they're all ready to do a, a, a shout and a run um, and then uh, you know you're coming back from vacation um, you're, you're coming uh, back to the real world you know what I mean you, you, you start to really focus on what you're going to do over this next year and and uh, uh, you start start thinking about returns and so that's what we're going to start this series on this series is is called returns and uh, we're going to be talking about some things that we need to return to and some some things that uh, we need to send that we need to return um, of like we need things back to us and for us and, and in us and then we need to send some stuff back come on somebody I said we need to send some stuff back and so, um, and so, we're going to be talking about that over the next week, uh, and, and, and the week after, and then the last uh, week on the 18th, we are going to uh, um, talk about you know heading back into the world, and it's going to be the weekend before um, that we um, uh, our kids go back to school. That'll be the same week that we're doing the free haircuts here, the outreach to Tangelo Park uh, and Dr. Phillips, uh, and so we're going to pray over everybody that's going back to school, regardless of age. If they're a kid, we're gonna we're going to pray over them. If if they're an adult going back to school. We're going to pray over them. Uh, we got a couple of uh, adult learners in here, but we're going to just pray for a great year that that year or that day. Amen. And so we're going to start talking about returns today. Uh, before I get started, I do want to just take a moment uh, and, and say uh, I'm really, really glad to have my little cousin here today. Stand up, Caleb, so everybody can see you. This is my cousin Caleb from. Uh, he ain't so little anymore, um, but he's from Virginia Beach. His dad pastors a great church there uh, in the Virginia Beach area. His mom actually works at the 700 Club and does Pat Robertson's hair and makeup every morning. And um, so, uh, but his dad pastors a great church there. Uh, the, the whole family's in the ministry there, and uh, he's in town with his uh, girlfriends, dad, and, and family. They're down here on vacation. Almost, it's father-in-law, but it's not quite yet, so I'm not allowed to say that. So, But um, it's uh, it's great to have Joe with us today as well. Um, and uh, thanks for you. you know, they're down here on vacation, so they didn't have to get up and come over this morning, but they did. And so, uh, you know, but you better, or else I'd have got you in a headlock and beat you after I saw you later. All right. So um, let's get to talking about returns today. Amen. Um, you know, as we get into this mindset of of Going back or taking back or, or sending stuff back. Um, we are at a point in time every year that everybody regroups. Um, we reinvest into our lives, into our kids' lives if we have them. We return to our routines. Um, I want to say to you today, as we're doing this, let us um, keep the places that need to be in place there and let us send back all the crap that we don't need. Am I allowed to say crap in church? I I said it. so We need to just get rid of some of those things. And then there are some places that we're at that we need to leave and go back to. And uh, in Genesis chapter 13, we read the story here of Abram. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, and you're a guest with us, uh, and you have on your Bible the uh, or on your phone the U version of the Bible, which is the, the the app, you can actually follow along if you go into the U version. And search Direction Church under live events, Direction Church Orlando. You can follow along. You get my notes and everything. And there's a place there that you can take notes for yourself there. So if you're with us and you don't know, weren't aware of that, <clears throat> by all means, take advantage of it today. All right. In Genesis chapter 13, verse number 1, uh, it says this. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. I want you to notice that. Where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar and there... He worshipped the Lord again. Now I don't know about you, but you know, I kinda of read some of these Old Testament stories and I, I kinda of have this, this picture of what we've been shown in the in the Bible movies all of our lives, where they're always out in the desert and it's always hot and they're always intense and they're and they're always just finding new places. But you know, it's because it's so foreign to us to, to think about that part of the country and what's going on there. But you know what? This would be their version of Sand Lake Road. This would be their version of International Drive. I mean, they were very familiar with these places. And it wasn't just this mass desert that they didn't recognize anything. This was places that they were familiar with. And the Bible says that Abram, in his travels from Egypt, went back, come on somebody, to the place where he worshiped God before what did he do he returned back to God he had been in a heathen place come on in, in Egypt where they worship all kinds of different idols and all kinds of different gods and all kinds of other things and he had been down there and he'd been doing some things in his life and, and had to go you know I mean that's where he told him that Sarah's my sister and and, and you know he'd been doing some things that he wasn't he shouldn't have been doing I mean bless Abraham's heart he's going to be the father of many nations but he goes down there and tells a big lie And he goes and he's not doing everything that he should have been doing. And what happens? He realizes that I've been doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. I've been going places I shouldn't be going. And he goes back, come on, to where he used to be with God. He goes back to where he worshipped the Lord again. Verse 3 says where they had camped before. All right? We need to get back to where we worshiped God before. Come on, there's some places and there's some times in our lives and there are things in our lives that we look at right now and we go, I wish God was as real to me today as he was. Come on, you ever said that? You know, I mean, you know, when you're younger, you're growing up, man, I wish I felt God like I did at youth camp. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? You might grow up in church, go to youth camp. You had those, or you had those youth retreats. Oh, I wish I could feel God like I did at, at that youth retreat. You know, or, or, or we go through revivals in our church and we start to slowly come back down off of that spiritual high of the revival and we go, oh man, I really wish I could feel God like I felt, come on, in that revival. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen to me. We don't need to be wishing for those times. We need to, come on, return to those times. We need to go back and stir ourselves up in the Holy Ghost. We need to go back and get on our face before God and say, you know what? I don't feel you like I did yesterday and I'm not getting up, come on somebody until I do I need to return back to where I worship God before I don't have to have a special service come on I don't have to go to youth camp to feel the presence of God I can just go in my bedroom and return to the presence come on somebody of God I can return right back to where I need to be now so and that's what I want to talk about today part one of this series is we need to return back to the presence of God Now, some things we should never go back to. There are some things that are worthwhile and they're okay leaving and never coming back to. Habits, bad behavior, worry, old unproductive ways, the way we used to do things. There are some things that we should never pick up again. Come on, there are things that you can think of right now that you're glad you don't do anymore. And you don't need them anymore. Exodus chapter 14 verse number 12 says this. Didn't we tell you this was... This is the the children of Israel talking to to Moses. Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Then they almost say the exact same thing in Exodus chapter 16. Verse number 3. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt they moaned there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death now listen these are this is these are the children of Israel who have seen the red sea part and seen a pillar of fire at night and a and a cloud by day and they're they're saying I would rather just be back in Egypt. I would, listen, at least I could eat, I could walk over and, and see pots of meat and at least go, okay, I, I'm, I'm good. I would, and, and, they would rather, and, and they would rather return and be beat and have to build the pyramids than to walk around free and have God rain down manna from heaven. Why? Because it's easier sometimes to return to the old things. It's easier sometimes to return to the things that, we don't, we, we, that don't benefit us. But it's just easy. It's easy to pick up things that, that you, you, you shouldn't have been doing. It's easy to pick up things that, 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 you know, uh, that don't involve us going to the next level. You know, anytime you follow God, and this isn't in my notes today, I'm just going to say this. Anytime you're following God, you should be going to the next level. Because God doesn't lead down. God always leads up. You know, even if even if you're on top of this mountain and he's leading you to that mountain and you have to climb down off this mountain and go through, come on, the valley. It, it's, not the, it's not to stay there. It's to just go to the higher mountain. And once you get up on top of that mountain, God's not going to lead you to walk down into the valley and stay down there. He's taking you off that mountain, come on, to go up to a higher mountain. God's always leading us up. Always. 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 And there are things going on in, in, in this country and in the world today that, that, that it's almost like, well, you know, we're, we're not really feel like we're supposed to go in that direction. Then you ain't going in the direction that God's leading. You know what? We should always be being led up. We should always be being led higher. And here these Israelites, they are wanting to return to captivity because in their mind it would be easier It'd be easier to be a slave and have food that they could see and they didn't have to believe for, now catch this, than to be free and have to believe for their next meal. See, listen, nobody said living by faith was easy. Living by faith isn't the easiest thing in the world. It's a whole lot easier to look over and see a pot of meat and know where your food's going to be coming from than it is to... And, and But you're the price is you're in captivity you're, you're getting beat every day you're having to make bricks out of mud you're being told what to do you're being made what to do you don't have any decision what to do you don't get to be what you want to be you're being told what you're going to do and what you're going to be but in their minds oh that's easier because at least we know where we're going to eat listen if you're going to follow god to the next level you may not see the supply raining down right in front of you right then but you will always see it rain down when it's time you will always have the supply that you need listen the children of israel looked and said oh it would be better to have our stomachs full of this potted meat but guess what they turned around and stayed out there in the wilderness free and guess what god did Every time it was time to eat, they'd walk out, what was sitting out there waiting for them? Manna from heaven that rained down. It's not easier, but it is free. Not all returns are worthwhile. Listen, going back to Egypt would have killed the Egyptians or killed the Israelites. Not all returns are worthwhile. It would be easier to give in to the old ways of doing things, it would be easier for you to, to go and, 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 and not read your Bible. Can I just be honest for a second? How many of you think reading the Bible sometimes is boring? And don't anybody give me that religious answer. Oh, Lord, the word of God is never boring. Yes, it is. When you read Numbers, I, I, you know what? I don't know what, I mean, I, I just got to trust God. But I don't know why Numbers is in the Bible. I could care about less about the Israeli, you know, um, the, 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 the census. I could care less about that. But it's in there. So guess what? I got to read it. Now, I can't say I never got anything out of it. I've gotten something out of numbers before. But I'll just be honest with you, it's boring. There are some things that I, I read in the Old Testament and I just go, what, yeah, what? What? What does that have to do with anything? It's boring. I'll just be honest with you, it's boring. And it would be easier sometimes to not read it. <laughs> But it is a whole lot more beneficial if I do. My life forever changes, come on, when I do. When I don't return to what I used to do, which was not read the Bible. When I don't return to what I never, when I never prayed. When I don't return to those things, those things don't take a foothold in my life. (coughs) If you've walked away from things that hinder your relationship with God, stay away from those things even though it's easier to get into them. Don't look back. Don't go back to Egypt. The reason the Israelites said it would have been easier to go back there is because they still had a slave mentality. Slave mentality is, is they, don't, they don't really know how to make these decisions on their own. They've been raised to think, well, whatever they tell me to do. Come on now. Whatever they tell me to do. Listen, whether it's addictions in your life, whether it's society, whether it's the things going on in this country, somebody else is telling you what to do. And there shouldn't be somebody telling you what to do. It should be the Holy Spirit leading you and showing you what you can do. Why? Because you're free to make that choice of whether I'm going to follow God or I'm going to go do my own thing. And it's not worth it to go back to what I used to be doing. It's worth it for me to come on to follow where I need to go. I need to return back to that and not go back to some of those other things. When we go back to the things that hold us in captivity, that hurt us, that lead us away from God, we walk back into that same old lifestyle that we used to be. Luke chapter 9 verse 62 says, But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. There's some things that we just, we need to leave and not pick them up anymore. We need to, we, you know what, whether, and, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all the big sins now. You know, we're not reading your Bible, not praying, not doing drugs, not doing, you know. But listen, let's just talk about it. Like, worry, some of you need to just let that, let that worry stay in the grave. <laughs> some of you never need to, don't need to go back and pick up worry anymore. And you know what I'm talking about. Oh my God, how's this going to happen? Oh my God, oh my kids, oh my, I, you know what I'm talking about. Stress, and you're worried, and you're carrying it around with you. You need to let those things go, and don't pick them back up. Oh, what am I going to do if they lay me off? Oh, my job. Oh, my this. Listen, don't go there. Some things are not worth going back for. I'm not talking just about living in the past. I'm not talking about returning to our old ways and and, and becoming people that we've worked very, very hard to stop becoming. I'm not just going to talk about that. But there are some things in our lives that we need to walk away from and never walk back. All right, but there are some returns that the Bible talks about that we need to get back to and watch our lives not take a step backwards, but actually increase. Now, I believe in the. Uh, the I believe that there is a uh, a statement, and I believe it. You can't effectively go forward if you're always looking backwards. But sometimes our path forward can take us in turns in the road that circle back to places that we need to constantly keep going always return your efforts in your life back to God no matter what you're doing no matter how hard you're trying no matter what you're working to build yourself towards make sure those efforts turn you in a direction back to God listen our efforts are what God blesses and so when we're doing these things, make sure that those efforts are ones that are being pointed towards God. Always returning back. Listen, uh, you know that, that, that saying, you can't go forward if you're always looking backwards. You ever tried it? <laughs> it how many of you got kids that when you're driving, you're, you're doing this number? You stop it. Back there. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Any of you, your parents did that to you? You know what I'm talking about? They're driving, and I don't know how they kept the car straight, but man... Oh, yeah. It was perfect every time. And I got pretty good at it too. I can do it now. I can reach back there. I can give Peyton a chicken McNugget while I'm driving forward. I've done it. <laughs> all he's got to do is whine just a little bit. And I know what that means. All right, here's your other nugget right here. I don't have to turn around and look behind behind me. Okay? But I, 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 I mean, if you've ever tried, you know, I see baseball players do it all the time. They run While they got there and they're looking at that ball and they're tracking a fly, and what happens? Wham! Right into the wall. It can't. It doesn't. It's impossible to do. But I do know this: there is turns and twists and directions that the road of life takes us. That if we follow the one God's prepared for us, it will always take us right by Him. He doesn't lead us somewhere that goes away from him. His road always leading us forward, but always comes back to him. Always. If you're a, if, listen, let me say this. If you were able to fix everything in your life, if you were able to fix everything in your state, if you were ever a, able to fix everything in your country, if we were able to fix everything in this world, wouldn't we have it all corrected and fixed by now? Come on. I mean, if you were able to fix it, if you were able to fix... Let's just take your life. If you were able to fix everything in your life, wouldn't we all be skinny, rich, and happy? Come on, somebody. We would. If we were able to do it, we'd already be there. If we were able to fix everything in this country, everybody would be saved, and every church in America would be full right now. Come on. If we were, if we personally like if i had the ability to do it right now i would i would i would do it come on if we were able to fix everything in the world right now if we were if i had the personal ability to do that there would be no wars there'd be no starving children commercials on tv you would never see that you wouldn't hear about aids outbreaks and sex trafficking you wouldn't hear about any of that listen if we had the ability ourselves to fix it it already be it already be there If if we had the ability to fix everything here in Florida, you you wouldn't hear about the the cases that just happened not too long ago. You wouldn't hear about Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. You would never hear about that. Why? Because it wouldn't happen. Why? Because none of us want that to happen. Nobody wants to see those kind of things happen. Nobody wants to to go to the doctor and have them tell them, your cholesterol is 750. Nobody wants to go hear that. Nobody wants to have to go on a diet and lose weight. Nobody does. But if we had the power to fix it ourselves, it would already be fixed. Our lives, check this out. If you don't hear anything else I say today, check this out. Our lives cannot be made perfect by imperfect people, including ourselves. Come on, somebody. Our lives cannot be made perfect by imperfect people, including ourselves. God is the only perfect being and his perfection can bring the perfect peace, the perfect order to our lives. It is God who can only fix things to where they don't need to be fixed again. No matter what laws or moral codes or, or, or bans on this or bans on that, that that we have or we're going to adopt as a country or a state. It is only returning, come on somebody, back to God that will perfect every answer and every problem that we could face in this world. I can pass 50 laws and, and get them passed. We could pass all kinds of laws. But if you remove God from those laws, and come on somebody, what's, nothing's going to happen. There are countries all over the world that are passing laws left and right, and they got this, and this is illegal, and, and they still have moral failure, they have murder, they have all these, Listen, it is only countries that embrace the will of God in their lives and return back to God that actual change comes. And I'm just going to get on the United States for a minute. The reason that this country has been so successful as it is, is because we had a country of people that returned to God. When we came over here, we came over here so we could return to God the way we want to return to God. We didn't want somebody telling us, no, you have to do it this way. So what did we say? We'll just go start our own own country. We're going. See you. And they did. And that's why, listen... As bad as things have gotten here, and as bad as things have done, we've done things here, and we do stupid things. Sure, I admit it, we do. But there's a lot of things that we do right that we don't ever hear about. We send three fourths of the missionaries around the world preaching the gospel come from right here in the United States of America. And we're funding the gospel to go around the world more than any other country. Why? Because we have still got people here returning to God daily. We still have some leaders who are still returning their lives to God. All right? No matter what we try and pass or what we try to do without God in our lives, it doesn't man- matter. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. Then if my people... Come on, this is familiar. Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do we shouldn't have laws and we shouldn't pass things. I'm not saying any of that. I believe laws are in place for a reason. But you notice. In that statement right there, that God doesn't—he doesn't say, "I'll heal your land once you pass this and outlaw this and take care of this." He doesn't say any of that. He says, "You are my people." First thing you should be doing is getting on your face. Come on, somebody, and return into me. Pray to me. Ask me, not me, Brent. This is what God says. This is what we should be doing first. So instead of you know, bombarding every senator with a with a letter just because you're angry and upset, why don't you go pray about it first? don't get quiet on me there it's a wrong place to get quiet we need to go pray about it first I want my letter to my senator coming from the heart of God I don't want it coming from my heart why? because my heart even though I love this country and I I love God and and I love people listen I don't want any of Brent to be in there I want a letter coming from the heart of God and before I go talk to my congressman or my senator I want I want God's heart on the matter, and that's why God says, "If you will pray, get on your face and pray." That should be the first thing we're doing. And we got we got a lot of people that are ready to bring change to America. Great, praise God! Let's go pray about it first. Then let's go rise up and do it. You want to bring change to your life? Listen, don't be. It's great for programs, you know, the, and there's great for weight loss and 12-step and, and, and programs and all those kind of things. But listen to me, if you can't pray about it first, that program's going to do you limited amounts of good. He says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves. What does that mean? We got to get over ourselves thinking that we have the answer to everything. And pray, seek my face, turn from there. Now get this, wicked ways. Now most people read that and they go yeah, turn from your wicked ways. Wicked is. And we automatically as soon as you hear the word wicked, everybody has their own first image of pops up. It could be anything. Satanism. It could be darkness. It could be homosexuality. It could be, you know, all the stuff that the news tells us is wrong. Abortion. And and it it is. All, All of it is. I'm not saying it's not. But everybody immediately goes to the big ones first. They go to the big stuff first. First thing. But do you know what wicked actually means? It doesn't just necessarily mean evil as in satanic. But what it means is a perversion of thought. That's what the word wicked means. You know where we get our word wicker? You know like wicker furniture? This is the same root word here. You know what it means? Twisted. That's exactly what it means. It means twisted. Which means what? Twisted thinking. You know, in the story of the talents, and we read that a few weeks ago when we were, we were doing our, our series, uh, our last series, we read the, uh, about increasing your capacity. Um, we re- read that and he goes to chew the one guy out who had the one talent. The master chews the one guy out. And he says, you wicked and lazy servant. Now when I read that story, I don't... I don't see anywhere in that story where the one talent guy went and hid his talent, and then went out and worshipped the devil. I don't see anywhere where he buried his talent, and, and, and then went and you know was an abortion doctor clinic on the side, abortion clinic doctor on the side. I don't read where he. All he did was he went and buried his master's talent in the ground. Okay, and then when the when this master comes back and calls him a wicked and lazy servant. He says to him, uh, I knew you to be a hard man. This is his response back to him. Okay? He says, I knew you were a hard man and, and you, you gather where you sow not and all this. He, he gives him this big long excuse and he goes, and I was afraid so I went and put in. And when he says wicked and lazy servant, what was he saying to him? Did he say because you're just a bad guy? No, what he was meaning is, is your thinking about me is wrong. Come on, somebody now. Don't, don't, don't go to sleep on me. Wicked, when he says turning from your wicked ways, he's not just talking about walking away from the bad stuff that we all know is bad. We're not just talking about the killing and the drugs, and we're not just talking about that. We're talking about, here it is, are you ready? Wrong thinking that we come on, somebody can take care of everything ourselves. That's wrong thinking. Look at, let's look at it in context. What does he say here? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That doesn't sound like an abortion you know, clinic doctor to me. That sounds like everybody sitting in this room and everybody in the world. Everybody needs to humble themselves. all right, And pray. That don't sound like you know, some kind of you know, drug addict right there. That's everybody. Seek my face. This isn't the homosexual he's talking about. He's talking to everybody here. Come on now, and turn from their wicked ways. So that must mean he's, come on somebody, talking to all of us. What what does that mean, Brent? That means that there's some thought processes in our lives that we all need to change. And it starts with getting over ourselves and understanding that the only real change that anything can be brought into is by returning back to God Almighty and going back to the source where it all came from. Wicked ways doesn't have to be evil. It's wrong thinking. In this verse, God is telling us how to heal things that have gone wrong. How to heal things in your land. Where are you thinking wrong about problems that you're facing? By thinking that we can fix everything... You can't. You already would have done it. A Christian who thinks apart from the word of God isn't thinking any different than an unsaved person. And therefore, we're not always going to encounter God's answer and God's supply. Listen, if we're not thinking any differently than Joe sinner down the street, then what makes us think that we're going to have the come on the answers of a God who wants to supply those? We have to start thinking differently. Listen, and I'm, uh, listen to me. I want to make it clear. I am all about seeing revival happen in this country. I am all about seeing revival happen in your life. I am all about you seeing the answers to your problems. I'm all about our country seeing things change that need to change. I'm all about seeing God being brought back to the forefront and, and, and real change happening. I'm all about it. But it's not going to happen by us just doing and trying to fix things based on how we feel at the moment and the emotion that comes through us and the way the the, the, the knee jerk reaction. That's not going to happen. That's not going to change it. It's only those who get on their face and get their marching orders from God and really return back to the values of God. And those people are the ones that can rise up and bring real change for your life you're not going to be able to just will yourself into a new way of doing things. If you just could will it, it would have already happened. You're going to have to return back to God full bore, head over heels, deep end over your head back to God. When we think based on God's word, which is how God thinks, we come face to face with the answer to our problems. When we think based on God's Word, which is how God thinks, we come face to face with the answer to our problem. This entire scripture is encouraging us us to not put our faith in our efforts. It is telling us to get over ourselves and return to thinking of God first, because that is where our life truly brings change go ahead and turn to psalms chapter 44 verse number six now this doesn't mean that we sit by and do nothing i'm just going to be honest with you i grew up in churches where i heard people just say well god's got it god's in control Hey, and they didn't do anything they didn't do nothing I want to make it clear right now, I am not calling us to return to God because we shouldn't be doing something. I'm not telling us to return back to God so that we can spend all our time just sitting on our hands in a church somewhere. I am not telling us to return back to God just so that we can pray and and, and say, well, I prayed and it didn't work. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying return back to God so that you can get the right set of instructions for your life, for your movement, for what's going on around you so that you can do what God's calling you to do. I believe that... Our skills need to be the best that they can be. I believe in making our purposes clear, our plans excellent. Listen, around here, you've heard me preach it. I believe in practice, I believe in learning and expanding. But once we make the journey of bettering ourselves um, to return back to God, all right, we have to keep this in the front of our mind. It's through our excellent effort that God can bless more. All right, more powerful answers, more exciting things can happen. The more we better ourselves, but the thing is, is too many people once they start bettering themselves, they trust in themselves. Psalm chapter forty-four, verse number six says this: "I do not trust in my bow." I do not count on my sword to save me. Now check this out. How many of you know that the Israelites knew how to use a bow and a sword? Go read the Old Testament. They did. They could throw down with the best armies in the in the world. I mean, we're talking about the Philistines and, 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 and all the rest of the Old Testament, you know, empires that came against them. The Israelites, little teeny Israel, stood their ground and could fight. They all knew how to use a sword. A couple of them knew how to use a slingshot. They all knew how to use bows. I mean, you go and read in the Old Testament, there's one part in there where a guy fought so long that his hand froze to the handle of the sword. Notice the Bible actually, this is one of those times where you read and you go, wow, thank you for saying that because where else would his hand freeze? But it actually says to the handle of the sword. And I thought about that. I'm like, what happened? Did God send frost and it actually froze? What happened there? He fought so long that his muscles got so sore he couldn't let go of it. Now, some of you that are, probably closer to my age would remember it this way. Well, back in the 80s, when Nintendo was very popular, <laughs> you feel me? There was a game called Tecmo Bowl. And, I, I mean, and it was before memory cards and everything, you couldn't save your progress. You had to start and either you, you, turn, you turn the TV off, and you, don't anybody touch this. I'm halfway through a season. If anybody touches it, I'm going to kill you, because you know, I've worked so hard at this. But one time, Me and and my cousin, uh, his wife does our children's. We we sat and played Tecmo Bowl all day. Took took the Bears all the way to the Super Bowl, or to the Tecmo Bowl. Now, that's a full season plus the playoffs. It was like 15 or 16 games. Full length, full quarters, everything. By the time it was all said and done, this is what we looked like. (laughs) Like, all this was fine, these were stuck like this. What happened? Our thumbs got frozen to the controllers. They were frozen like this because we played that way all day long. This is what happened to this guy in the Bible, had his hand around the sword so long, swinging it so hard, come on, kicking so much Philistine hiney that his hand, come on, froze to the handle of the sword. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to use it he knew what end was the stabbing end and what end was the what was the holding end. Okay? But they didn't trust in their efforts. Let's look back here in verse 7. Okay, let's just start verse 6 again. I do not trust in my bow. I do not count on my sword to save me. I know how to use it, though. You are the one who gives us victory over our enemies. You disgrace those who hate us, O oh God. We give glory to you all day long and constantly praise your name. The Israelites knew how to use their bow and their swords, but they trusted. In the Lord to bring change. What happened? They returned to God. Listen, they were proficient with what they did, but they trusted in God. First Corinthians chapter three, verses six and seven says, I planted the seed in your hearts, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Now, how many of you know Paul knew how to preach? Just go read Acts, dude could throw it down with anybody, whether it was the Jews that were religious or people who had never even heard about jesus i mean there's one time he 's there with king um, what 's his name huh F- felix and, and he talks to, says this big long dissertation to him, and then the guy looks at him and says wow you 've almost persuaded me to be a christian that 's preaching." <laughs> When you go up to a heathen king who knows nothing about what you're talking about, and you change his life by the words that are coming out of your mouth, Paul was a proficient preacher, wasn't he? If you know anything about Apollos, Apollos was a great preacher as well. Could throw it down. But both of those guys couldn't bring the increase. Both of those guys couldn't make the seeds grow. Both of those guys couldn't force a harvest. Come on, they had to trust what they do? Returned back to God to give the increase. The problems that you face in your life, the challenges that you're very familiar with, the struggles that you found a way to live with. Stop accepting them and return yourself back to God. Be someone who believes the answers and that those answers lie squarely in the hands, in the presence and in the word of God. And go looking there. Go seeking there. Get over yourself and what you could do. Move past the despair that you feel because you can't do anything about your problems on your own. And return to God where your answer lies.